You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Good morning, church. Good to be with y'all worshiping this morning. Um, I don't, I've gotten better at this, but I often lose my keys or my wallet or something that's really important in my life. And when I do, I go throughout the entire house, I look everywhere. And my eyes are open. My mom used to say, you should look with your eyes open because I'm notorious for this. But I, I would look everywhere. I would look in every possible place where my keys or wallet could be. And then inevitably there's this moment where I turn to Michelle and say, have you seen my keys? Have you seen my wallet? And she says, well, have you looked at this place, yes, at this place, yes, at this place, yes, I've already looked at all these places. What about this place? Yes, of course I've looked there. And she says, well, go look at this place. It's always something like this. So reluctantly, I'm always like super stubborn and irritated at this point. Um, and, I, and I think she hides things from me sometimes, so that's not totally fair. But I'll go and I'll look and there they are. And I think to myself, well, I'm relieved because now like that's great, but like, oh. Why couldn't I not have seen that when, when I had looked for it in the first place? I think this is how the fishermen who were working all night, toiling, fishing all night, coming up with nothing, I think they must have felt something a little bit like this. When scrubbing their nets, about to go home, this rabbi shows up and says, hey, professional fishermen, why don't you try this? Have you looked here? I'm sure part of them was thinking, we've already... Do you, do you know who you're talking to? Who are you? Of course, we've been doing this all stinking night and we're ready to go home, my goodness. And here you are using our boat as a pulpit, preaching, and you're giving us advice on how to fish. They could have been like that. Put out into the deep, this rabbi says to these tired fishermen. It's not like put out into the deep waters was like a pro tip. Like, oh, didn't think of that. That's really helpful. Maybe we should try the deep. It's not something they hadn't tried before. In fact, they had every, think about this, they had every reason to totally ignore Jesus' command. But imagine if they had ignored his command. Or imagine if they had just caught enough fish, kind of like a few fish. They may, they may have been more prone to shrug their shoulders and say, well, we have enough. Like, we didn't come up with, at least we didn't come up with nothing. They could have shrugged off Jesus' command. But thank God these disciples caught absolutely nothing. Not even a minnow did they catch. Thank God that they didn't catch anything. Seems kind of strange to say that, right? Well, it's so hard for those who have it just good enough, who are like, well, it could be worse. I could have more. But, you know, at least we caught something. It's so hard for those people to enter into the kingdom of God. Because they're right in that gray space of like, well, you know... It suffices. It's good enough. And I'm not talking about being content with what you have. I'm talking about that space where we choose comfort over obedience. Well, I didn't really hear the Lord say that. And I'm like, things are going pretty well. Comfort over obedience. This is a life that, for instance, attends church functions, but never really engages in discipleship. Good enough. Or a life that claims to believe in Jesus and his kingdom, but lacks the readiness to act as if what they believe is actually true. Good enough. 
a life that doesn't own up to the condition of its own soul, being honest with itself, but hoards what little that it has to mask all that it doesn't have. The disciples that morning, that early morning, they didn't have this luxury of having just enough. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the totally poor. Blessed are those whose nets come up absolutely empty. They had fished all night. They had nothing, nothing to show for all of their work and their toil. They tried every single spot, every corner, every trick. They probably worked a little harder than usual that day. They had all the skill, all the qualifications, all the experience that one would need to at least come up with something, and yet they came up with absolutely nothing. Have you ever felt like this? There's no reason I should be coming up with nothing. I, I, went, I, did, I have this degree. Um, I know these people. I, I'm like not bad looking maybe. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, like, you know, people like me, right? <laughs> why, is, why am I running into this wall at every turn? I've done just about everything I can do and I'm still stuck empty-handed. Or even worse for some of you, I've tried everything that I could do and I'm still, I'm, I've lost everything. I've lost. I don't even have empty nets. I have like an, in the negative. I've lost and I'm helpless to fix things. Now imagine in that actual place, because discipleship following Jesus happens right where you are right now, always. Imagine in that real life, actual place, Jesus calls to you the way he called to Simon. At that point of despair, total exhaustion. Stephen, you know about this. Bethany, point of total exhaustion. Staying up all night with a baby. You're at your end. And Jesus calls to you, put out of the deep. Go deeper. Try it again. Do it again, but now on my command. And go further and go deeper. I wonder, I honestly look at this and I think, I wonder if Simon's obedience was just kind of out of total exhaustion. Like, ah, I'm not going to fight this guy. I'm so tired. Or total humility. Or maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. But his response was amazing. He said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. That's amazing. Can I read that again for us? Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And at this word from this non-fisherman rabbi teacher, they immediately caught more fish than they could handle. In fact, they had to wave to the other boat, the Gentile boat, as it goes. Hey, come and help us. The catch of the kingdom is like sinking our boats. It's too much for us to bear. Scripture tells us that they were amazed. They were astonished at what had happened. But this wasn't like, wow, uh, like going through Disneyland. Wow, this isn't, isn't this amazing? This was more of a wow, like going through a haunted house maybe. Like this is terrifying what is happening right now. How terrifying must must have been for these guys. Who is this that at his word can command the fish of the seas to come and be caught in these nets? So much so like they had never seen, they were sinking their boats. Who is this rabbi, this man who can come near the waters and speak words of power 
like this. Who could do this? A fearful kind of wow came over Simon, who fell to his knees immediately and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. In verse 8. See, the real miracle here isn't the fish or Jesus commanding creation. That is a miracle. But even more so, out of nowhere, Simon runs into the presence of God. He wasn't looking for the presence of God. The presence of God found him. The grace of God found him in the middle of his workday, interrupted his toil, and called him to obedience. And in that moment of obedience, he realized that God provided more than he could ever provide for himself on his own. More than his skill or his experience as a fisherman or of his qualifications, more than any of that, God had provided an overwhelming amount for him, despite who he was. And in response, Simon isn't proud. He's anything but proud. In fact, he owns up to the condition of his soul. There's something about this miracle coming into the contact with the presence of God that like a reflection shows us who we are in light of this, in comparison. And Simon owns up to the condition of his soul and outspills this real confession. Confession, by the way, which we do all the time, it's not like this, like, uh, this kind of ritual of digging up your guilt and feeling bad about yourself. No, 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 confession's super simple. All confession is, is owning up to the real condition of your soul and then saying it out loud to a father in the church, to a priest in the church. Simon's response was a real confession, much like Isaiah's, actually. Did you hear our, our reading from Isaiah? Wow. Should sound familiar to us, this whole scene. Just like Simon fell to the floor before God in confession. Isaiah witnessed heavenly beings covering their eyes and their face and their feet to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? falling to our knees, saying to one another, holy, 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 while the place is filled with smoke. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you look, you'll see it again today. This is what God's presence, like his real presence, does to people. If they have eyes to see. If they have ears to hear. If they can understand and perceive. I wonder if this presence we would see if everything always went according to plan for us in our lives. If our qualifications and our paycheck and our reputation, if like everything was just kind of, it worked and it was satisfactory, it was good enough, I wonder if we would run into the presence of God and notice. I wonder if we would have eyes to see or ears to hear. Or maybe we'd be like those people that Isaiah was sent to, to announce the plan of God to where God said, look, let them be blind, let them be deaf, let them not, not perceive, lest they turn to me and hear and actually use their eyes and use their brains and actually understand what I'm doing in the world and turn to me and be healed. Let them be blind. Let their pride defeat them. Coming up empty might have been Simon's gift because it opens him up to obeying Jesus' command to put out into the deep. Coming up empty in Simon's life would eventually change his name to Peter, who would become Christ's closest disciple. 
he would see heaven open up. He would see the cross of Jesus. He would see his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He would see mass feedings, healings. Coming up empty was Simon's entrance into this life with Jesus that would pull in the nets of the kingdom of God in an overwhelming way in his life. Peter wasn't qualified. If you think about this, Simon was just a fisherman. He didn't have any special rank. He wasn't some super important person. He didn't have power, really, or agency. His nets were empty in so many ways. If you think, well, but at least he was this or that. No, he wasn't even that. His nets were empty in so many ways, but his emptiness, his coming up empty was his openness to hear the call of Jesus and to obey. It wasn't a liability, friends, but it was a blessing. And God has this upside down way of calling people to himself who realize they don't have anything. They're not qualified. People who can say, woe is me. I'm a sinful person in the presence of God. Church, this is us, if you can see it. We are those ones who are called out into the deep to not just be satisfied with good enough or, you know, hey, like, you know, things aren't going so bad. We are those ones that Jesus calls to. Cast your nets into the deep, the nets of Christ's teaching. Cast them into the world. Make disciples just as he commands. We're the ones standing in the other boat that Peter is waving to. Come, help me. Are you kidding I need your help. Look at this catch we're pulling in. But I wonder what we would miss if we had no need to hear the call of the Lord. I wonder what we would miss if we were satisfied with good enough in our lives. Comfort over obedience. And maybe if we're really honest, we don't really need to hear from Jesus. We don't really need his command. We don't need to strain to hear him calling us from the shore because we're successful enough at work. We're pretty happy. Our interests, our skills, they're just enough to make us pretty comfortable and satisfied. And so therefore, we don't ever have to really listen to that greater call that Jesus gives us that probably scares us to death, put out into the deep, friends. But isn't, even though that's kind of scary to hear, isn't there something true about that call put out into the deep that just resonates with something deep inside of us? Because we know that life is more than just a few fish. Life is way more than just another paycheck. It's way more than the admiration of other people. It's way more than just a better relationship with X or Y, whoever it is. What if the truly good life is the life that hears the call of Jesus and obeys? What if being saved isn't just like vampire Christianity where we just need the vial of blood and then we won't go to hell and when we die. But what if being saved isn't, isn't just getting what we want from God or, or just going to heaven when we die. What if being saved is a life that is put out into the deep with Jesus? Some of us may attend a few church services and never know that we're not being discipled. We're not actually following Jesus. We can fool ourselves because we never have opened our lives to hear his call and to learn to live our life the way Jesus is calling us to live our life as he would. 
Some of us may say, we believe in Jesus. Sean, I, be- I get it. I'm all about Jesus. I believe in him. But belief isn't just some sort of cognitive, like, check, I agree, I assent. But belief is something that we operate on. If you want to know what you believe in, observe yourself when everything around you fails. What you do next reflects what you actually believe about reality. Do you believe that Jesus has got you? Do you believe that he's calling you? Put your nets out into the deep. Do you believe that only he can provide for you? Even many more may just admire the Lord, but just totally ignore his call to come and die, to obey and to follow. Church, we are all in this same boat together this morning. I pray that we get sick and tired of our nets being empty or even just a little full. I pray that we get tired of our fruitless toil. I I pray that we get bored with our risk-averse discipleship. I'm just going to keep Jesus just a little bit out. I don't really need to be discipled by somebody. I don't really need to change or grow in any way. I pray we get so sick of that, that we reject it and repent. Because when we realize we're coming up empty, when we can be really honest with ourselves and confess, woe is me, it is then that we can actually strain to hear the, the call of Jesus. Friends, follow me. Come and see. Let me cast your lives into the deep and pull in the fruit of the kingdom. I wonder what would happen if we could hear his voice today. I wonder what would happen if we responded to that call and obeyed. Let's take a moment and allow the Lord to speak to us and invite us into his presence to become his disciples again this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.